And so Martinez has certainly enjoyed his start. He's the first manager in the history of Everton Football Club to be unbeaten in his first six matches. Lukaku, checks for Lukaku, and Hart got something on it, but not enough. And Lukaku's goal-scoring run continues. Bitter, just better. The all new Everton podcast. Good morning, Blue Boys. Mark Mack on the coach on the way to Man City. It's uh, 20 to 12 at the minute. Uh, just going up the motorway on the way to Manchester. And uh, I've got a very special guest presenter with me today. Uh, new to the podcast. It's Mr. Johnny Seven, who's stowed away on the coach. Hello. Yeah, managed to get a pass out. And I'm luckily on my way to City as well. And I can't wait to get there. I've not been to the Emirates. Uh, not even the Emirates. I've been to the Emirates. <laughs> <laughs> I've not been to the Etihad. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, looking forward to it. Can't wait to get team news and get the game underway. Yeah, I like, hope we're not going to the Emirates because we're not going to get there in time because it kicks off in like an hour or something. Uh, yeah, so I brought him along for that wonderful insight. Uh, obviously, thinking that City play at the Emirates. There you go. So, um, there's no team news in on anything yet. Uh, just having a leisurely little drive down here along the 62. Uh, and we'll be back in a minute when we've got uh, any news to bring it about today's game. Okay, just coming up to 12 o'clock and team news is in and the only change is Stephen A. Smith in for Gareth Barry who is obviously ineligible because we are playing his parent club. Thoughts on that, Mark? Is it his mum or his dad? Um, yeah, I mean, team pretty much what we expected. Um, possibly thought that Gibson might come in uh, to fill in the spec by Barry but obviously it doesn't look like he's fit again. Not sure if he's on the bench. I've not seen the bench yet. No, neither of us have seen the bench yet. So... Um, yeah, Gibbo is actually on the bench. Mark's just checked the Man City team and they've got a pretty much full strength side out. Joe Hart keeps his place after a pretty poor display in midweek. Uh, Silva's back in. Was it Negredo up front, Mark? Uh, yeah, Negredo and Aguero start today. So, it's going to be a tough day, but uh, hopefully we can come out on top. Half time here at the Etihad, and it's uh, it's looking quite bleak at the moment. Not only are we 2-1 down, City have had a fair few chances, and um, Aguero could have had a hat trick. So I mean, we haven't had much uh, much threat up top. Lukaku's goal was a little bit fortunate, which you can say City's first goal was a little bit fortunate to get through, but uh, they could have had a few more. Yeah, it's disappointing to take the lead, obviously, and then uh, to pretty much give it away straight away in the space of a couple of minutes. Um, poor defender from the Blues, really, for City's goal. Um, and I can't really see us getting back into the game at the minute. Morales is having a very poor game. Um, topped only by Barkley, who's having a very poor game as well. Given possession off far too easily when we're attacking, 
um, and also not really picking up men as they're counter-attacking onto us. Um, there's a lot of space out on their left-hand side. Coleman keeps getting caught 2-1, to one, uh, and it looks like that's the way the score's going to stay 2-1, to one, if not more to City at the moment. Uh, got to be an improvement, Blues. Got to be the sort of improvement that Newcastle had uh, on Monday night in the second half. That's all we've got to come out and play. Get stuck in, win the ball back and uh, try and get something out of this. We don't seem to have any presence in midfield at the moment. As Mark said, uh, Barkley's not having his best game. and it's like he, he seems to want too much time on the ball at the moment and he's not going to get it. So it needs to wake up a little bit. Uh, Osman and Naismith have both been pretty much watching most of the game. Morales, pretty much the same. Uh, Alright, their, their goal, their second goal just now. Uh, it was a bit of a joke, really. Negredo and Coleman were having a bit of afters. Distan runs over to get involved. And then the next thing, they're breaking down the middle. And uh, who's Aguero going against? Distan, whose head obviously wasn't in it. So we just need to focus a little bit more. Maybe get Gibson on. We see him warming up now if he's fit. And push on in the second half. Yeah, just on top of that, I just want to say I'm not making excuses here because it hasn't been a great performance at all by the Blues, but the referee's having an absolute stinker. Uh, he keeps missing clear-cut fouls. Um, very much seems to be in favour of the home team. Um, so we're playing 12 men instead of 11 at the minute. Same old story, as Mark said. We don't like to make excuses, but if they present themselves, then we'll have them. Anyway, more to come after the game. Well, that was us last Saturday. Uh, we didn't really have the, the heart to record anything after the game uh, on the way on the trip home. Um, but we started the podcast off a little bit differently today and went straight into the, the, the live stuff we recorded on Saturday on match day. Uh, and I think that it's a valuable little thing, that really, because I think it shows sort of the emotions that we go through on a match day. What do you think, Johnny? Yeah, started off obviously very excited, so excited that I confused the Etihad with the Emirates. Um, which was a bit of a blunder uh, and then when we got the team news still quite excited and then as you heard in our half time report um, the excitement kind of dropped out of our voices a little bit and it all went a little bit south Yeah, by the uh, by the end of the game I think we just didn't want to talk at all, did we? we just was... sort of sat there because we're not used to losing these days, are we? It's, it's a bit of a new experience for us in a while, like yeah, I think we were thinking about jibbing the podcast and everything ever, ever related on the way. No, not really. Um, yeah, we were not used to losing this season. As um, as you heard in the clip at the top of the show, Roberto, the first Everton manager ever to start off a season, uh, six first six games undefeated. It's quite a good stat. Well, I suppose like anything, all good things come to an end. And I suppose, in a way, I suppose really it's a bit of, of a... A monkey off the players' backs now, really, because the longer the unbeaten run had gone on for, the more it would have become an issue, I would have thought. Um, and, you know, it would have started to build in the media and that. Uh, well, we don't really get much media coverage, do we? Because we're not one of these famous top six sides now. Yeah, later, later. Um, but we'll get to that later. Um, so, yeah, so a recap on the City game now that does settled a few days later. Um, and, I mean, what, what did you think, John? What, what do you think of that? Start at the beginning, what do you think of the first half? First half, uh, going back and watching over it, and just before the goal, you were just saying how bright we started and crisp passing and stuff like that. And, and I thought, yeah, I'd go with that. We started off okay just before the goal. Uh, Lukaku had a little break for when Naismith put him 
um, a little bit, just a little bit wide, and Hart came out to smother him. Um, should have had a corner, but we didn't. Um, but decent enough start, looked quite bright, and then obviously took the lead. Fifteen minutes in, uh, after all this, you know, this possession play, it was a bit of a long ball, hopeful ball up from Jagielka, uh, and Lukaku was first to it. Little nutmeg or a sidestep of Lescott and well I think Hart maybe should have had a stronger hand on it but a decent enough attempt a decent finish so 1-0 up yeah I mean it's something you know we've seen Lukaku score sort of I suppose you could say semi-similar goals in two games now the, the goal against Newcastle where it was a, a long kick off from Howard and then obviously this which is a long ball from Jagielka and he's obviously got that in his locker and it gives us a little bit of a different option I think from, from the start of the season Um and it's good to see, really. I mean, you know, I mean, the lads can scare the life out of any defence, can't he? Yeah, I think Lescott was terrified of even making the challenge, which was evident because he didn't. <laughs> uh, and then, as we said, Hart was just coming out and he just put it put it to the side of him and uh, he, he didn't quite get a strong enough hand on it. Yeah, and something that did make me chuckle while I was sat in the stand after that goal was obviously the City fans, after being a bit shell-shocked, they're going one nil down tried to rally around the keeper and started singing England's England's number one to Joe Hart, which was replied to by the uh, the Blues. Yeah, quality. England's England's only one, which, which is, is you know, which is which was witty. I thought, and uh, it's good observation by the Blues as well because there isn't anyone pushing Joe Hart. Well, no, you know, you're looking at Forster or, or Ruddy, aren't you? Really, and, and neither of them have really set the world alight. Although Ruddy's done well at Norwich, I suppose, but uh, but yeah, but. Um, Unfortunately, uh, our celebrations, which were crazy, by the way, um, it really did go off down in that, uh, that, that stand behind the goal, um, were very short-lived. Yeah, we were still alley alley ooing, weren't we? And then uh, the next thing we know, it was one all. <laughs> yeah, the, the smoke hadn't even settled off the, uh, the blue smoke grenades that keep on coming out these days uh, at a lot of games whenever we score. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's disappointing, isn't it, for... To go one one nil up and then maybe a little bit of a lack of concentration, you know, maybe getting a bit above ourselves, and then we we allow City straight back into the game. And really, you just want to keep it tight for five ten minutes and sort of take the wind out of the sails a little bit, don't you? Yeah, unfortunately, I mean the build up to the goal, we, we uh, it was a great final ball by Torre to find Negredo, but uh, I'd, I'd like to, uh, as you said, like shore it up a little bit just before that and stop them getting that far. I know it's easier said than done when you're playing these top class sides. Um, and Negredo, he did have a good game, didn't he? You know, he was a threat all game. He's, he's a big lad, didn't he? Like, yeah. He doesn't look that big when you see him on the telly. He didn't realise he was such a big, stocky lad. What were they saying? Were the City fans calling him Beast? I think they were calling him Beast. And didn't you say at one point he reminded you that David Unsworth yeah. in yeah. build? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's a big, strong lad. And I think he's going to be a, a really good signing for them. I was a bit dubious when City signed him. He's definitely him. a different option for them, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, he really is, yeah. Um, so, yeah, obviously, the, the, the City come straight back into it at 1-0. Yeah, and... 1-0, sorry. Well, they the could have had could have gone 2-1 up, 3-1 up even, Um like not long after that, uh, Aguero missed a couple of decent chances. What one particular from? Uh, was this where the, the ball came across and he saw he, he tried to throw a dummy in by letting the ball dummy himself the front of his body and maybe hit it with his left. Yeah, uh, and he tripped over and, and looked a right knob. To be yeah, fair. so I mean that was a really good chance. But dude, the better chance I thought was uh, from the free kick where he played a lovely training ground routine. 
just zigzag of passes. Uh, Aguero, clean, one-on-one, and he put it wide. Yeah. So, and before before that, even before the goal, Kolarov had a free kick, which nestled in the net, just... Unfortunately for City, fortunately for us, it was the wrong side of the goalpost. Right, yeah, the, the, the side net into the uh, the outside of the goal, and a lot of the the, the City singing section. Yeah, uh, all thoughts. Which, which it was is in. that's a strange concept, isn't it? Singing section. It is. Well, I'm not a hundred percent sure on this, but I'm pretty sure that City have actually set up a designated singing area to encourage sort of a bit of atmosphere at the ground. Uh, and they've placed it right next to the away fans. So there's definitely a bit of back and forth banter going on, wasn't there? Yeah. The whole Manchester Liverpool thing. Great ground, I I, I said uh, at the match there, and it looks like a small ground, you know, like a, like a cozy like the Reebok, but it's not. It's big and it's like fifty thousand seats or whatever. Um, but apart from those fans just to the right of us, I couldn't see anybody even standing up out of the seat. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I, as you say, it, it's it, it's a big ground that also it's been designed well, I think, because it's a big ground that also comes across as like an intimate ground, I suppose, because. Everyone seems to be quite close to the pitch. The stands themselves are quite close to the pitch. Um, and I think it would have the potential to be, you know, a proper cauldron if, they could, if, you, if the City fans sort of, you know, had a bit more passion about them. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because, you know, since the money's come in, they've got a bit of a prawn sandwich brigade. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly what I was going to say, prawn sandwich. Especially in that in the, in the stands, you know, where the, the, the dugouts and things are. We, in their corporate area and where you know where the chairman sits and all that, there was a lot of empty sheets for the game. I noticed. Um, I don't know whether that's the the standard yeah, sort of attendance there for them or, or or what. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a shame really because you know I think City traditionally are a club, I suppose, a little bit like Everton. You know, sort of maybe I, I hate to say this, but you know, maybe been a little bit in the shadow of the neighbours um, for for large periods of the history. Um, but you know, always had that fervent local support and been more like the local team of the the city, a bit like Everton have it in in Liverpool, obviously. But um, yeah, I mean, a bit like you said, they, they have no sort of great atmosphere. It's not like Goodison on a on a match day, is it really? No, not at all. Um, what did have the fans up though was uh, the second goal, which how it came about. I mean, we, we mentioned it a little bit uh, on the match day live section. And uh, Aguero got it up against Distan, whose head seemed to be elsewhere. Would you agree? Well, yeah, there was obviously some sort of incident uh, just prior to the goal. Something had happened. Was it between Coleman and Aguero? Yeah, a uh, bit of handbags. It was a bit of handbags, but it, and it was a, an absolute mis- mismatch, wasn't it? If it, they, they definitely wouldn't be the same weight if it was a boxing match, would <laughs> no, they? No, not at all. It was like a heavyweight going against like a, a you know a welterweight or a, you know. Definite lightweight here, and give Seamus his due. Like he wasn't backing down, but I, I, I don't think I'd have put any money on him in that fight, really. Yeah, so maybe because of the uh, the mismatch, ups, uh, oversteps Distan, and uh, I think Howard stepped over at one point, but Distan more notably, uh, and then literally ten seconds after it, after he, he's trying to calm things down, um, a, a, I think it's Silva releases the ball to send Aguero wide to Tim Howard's left and then probably his most difficult chance and he buries it well I mean one of the oldest cliches in football is that you play to the whistle yeah so and it, when you get to Premier League level you know you should be professional enough to, to understand that you know 
it's one of them. I don't. I can't really think. See how we can use it as an excuse that you know Distan was too busy having a little bit of a a Barney somewhere. Yeah, no criticism of the defense. referee on that aspect. I mean, it possibly could. You know, what was it? The chief referee said it, it should have been stopped. Or was it Halsey? Possibly at the weekend, and he said it should have been stopped. But you know, that's not what we're looking at. I just, I think that um, Distan shouldn't have got involved. Uh, whether Coleman uh, should have got involved, really, with Negredo, just get on with the ball again. Sorry, get on with the game uh, and keep focused, especially after you know a decent enough start, which we we'd already kind of lost our focus a little bit, conceded a goal. You know, could have been two one, could have been three one, and then you know we should have been on it a little bit more. In your opinion, do you think? Tim Howard was at fault for either goal. For Negredo's, I think uh, he could have stayed bigger a little bit longer. You know, he, he kind of gave um, Negredo an easy option there. Like, uh, you know, he's, he's come out going to his right a little bit uh, on the right side of the goal, uh, and Negredo's kind of put it under his legs. If he'd have kind of stayed big, like you know, for example, for, for lack of a better example, like Schmeichel did, like the big star shape. Um, then maybe it would have been more, more difficult finish. We've obviously been shipping a few goals in the last few games. Um, and do you think this has got anything to do with maybe Tim Howard's sort of reflexes have changed since he started wearing his head upside down on his neck? Possibly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there was coming back on on the coach, and there was a lot of uh, there a lot of people saying we should get uh, get a new keeper. And like how we, you know, it's time for Howard to do one, which I mean, it's a little bit unfair. I don't think he just needs to turn his head back <laughs> up the right way round and have the hair on the top of his head instead of on his chin, doesn't he? Really? Yeah, that is. It's a bit of a mess at the moment. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. <laughs> um, that Aguero goal. I, I I don't know how he beat Distan for pace. He's you know Distan's a, a pacey fella, isn't he? And yeah. Well, as we said, I don't think Distan was fully concentrated on, on what was going on in the and, game at that yeah, time. Yeah, and as I said, that was probably Aguero's toughest cha- uh, toughest chance he had. So, yeah. Anyway, so at that point, uh, half time came and we went in two one down. There was still a little bit of tussling and argy bargy and arguing going on at half time. Well, well, the the main bit is. Uh, if it was anywhere on the streets or anyone else offside the football, uh, off the football pitch, I think uh, Milner would have been done for a GBH on McCarthy. Yeah, there wasn't uh, the best of tackles, was it really? And I, I, did, I, I thought he was going to get away without even a booking, and I don't think the ref was going to book him. And but then, uh, I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about the ref. But he, he kind of, as an afterthought, booked him and blew up for a uh, half time and booked him as as as, they were go- as the teams were going off, but. Milner, I mean, he, sh- he should have been off. I mean, that was it. It was a, it was a lunge. It was two footed. He was off the ground. Uh, and McCarthy probably had to go in and get get the magic sponge at half time because he, he he looked like he, uh, he he really caught him. Um, but I, I, you know, half time, two one down. As I said on the live bit, we could have been four, five one down. Rumour has it at half time that they couldn't actually find the magic sponge, so they just used Tim Howard's chin. <laughs> yeah, well. It has a multitude of uses, you know, Tim Howard's chin now. It's, uh, it's become one of the most valuable assets at the club, apparently. Well, is, it, is, is that now Fellaini's gone? They were using Fellaini's hair before and now it, they're using Tim's chin. It could, yeah, it could be, yeah. Maybe, maybe this is what Tim Howard's going for. He, he's seen a gap in our marketing strategy now. We haven't really got any, any hair-related products out there, so... Yeah, and all, all those merch... 
people who've got those uh, Fellaini wigs. You can just put them on the chin now and you can uh, pay tribute to Howard instead. A couple of little elastic bands maybe to hang around your ears. And it, 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 that, there you go. That'll do nicely that, won't it? I'm going pat- to patent it. <laughs> don't throw that old stuff away. Uh, but yeah, obviously then the second half kicked off and uh, Everton have been shooting down to the end where uh, the Evertonians are. Um, and it never really took off for Everton really, the second half. It was a bit... Uh, Got a, a little bit scrappy, didn't it? And we never really showed any signs of scoring, I didn't think. No, um, I, I can't remember. Uh, oh, there was a little through ball to Morales, which his touch wasn't great, which it wasn't really great the whole match, really, was it? No, I, I mean, I was going to start talking about players once once we'd wrapped up the rest of the game, but you know, I thought there was a, a number of Everton players who had a poor game. And I thought Morales, in particular... This was one of those games that he tends to have where he's just not in the game and he just goes missing. And, and like you say, even the basics, like first touch, which normally is so good, uh, we're letting them down consistently throughout the game. Yeah, I mean, we had a little, you know, fair bit of possession again. I think the possession was a, was about evil. E- even. Even. <laughs> it even. was evil. Yeah, it was evil. Yeah, but it was even. Um, but the main talking point, I guess, from the second half was uh, the penalty which was uh, Sabaleta's got the wrong side of uh, Coleman and Coleman's completely bundled them over. Not. Yeah, I mean, very little contact uh, and the, the penalty has obviously been given. Um, it was a definite home penalty, shall we say. Yeah. Um, and I would have been incredibly surprised if we'd have got that if it was at the other end. Well, uh, Nastasic uh, pushed Lukaku over in the first half, down the same end, which just so happened to be the opposite end from where we were, and uh, didn't get a sniff. And, and that's it. I mean, I think that's, you know, you ask a lot of football fans, and, and the thing that annoys them more than anything is consistency. You know, if you, know, you don't really mind, if both penalties get given, fair enough. If neither penalty gets given, fair enough. But you can't give one team one and give not give it to another team for you know for a very similar defence. Yeah, I mean it was just he, he just kind of lifted his arm, just you know like it was like kind of easing the player out. If it was anywhere else on the pitch, I don't even think it'd be a free kick. But uh, Zabaleta just uh, he he just went down far too easy and it worked for him. And it's safe to say that Seamus wasn't best pleased about it. Nope, uh, no, nope, he definitely wasn't. I think he got a booking. For it as well, which kind of rubs salt in the wounds. Um, especially, I mean, I just want to go, go on to this a little bit. Um, what we've neglected to mention about the first half is there was a, a few niggling challenges from Silva, who um, was many people's man of the match. And he, uh, we had a bit of a breakaway, and he just took someone out straight. Definite booking. He got a warning. He well, got, yeah, I mean, he got I- his last warning. He did. He, he got a number of last warnings. Yeah, the second half, similar thing happens. We, we're about to break. He uh, definitely fouled, definitely booking, and he got his second last warning. I think if you'd have had that referee mic'd up, his, his warning would have gone something like this. David, I've already told you, and I'm only going to tell you it again another ten times. Stop fouling people, or I might book you. Yeah. Probably. Or I might just talk to you again. All right, son. Uh, it probably did sound a lot like that, yeah. Um, but so Milner could have gone and Silva could have gone. I, I mean, this is all, you know, and, and the penalty might not have counted. The penalty, by the way, um, 
I had someone say behind me, if if Howard hadn't moved, which I mean you, you can't you, you can't not move, or if he'd have gone the wrong way, that would have came back out into play. And uh, but unfortunately, yeah, it was one of those penalties where you know it's exactly at the post with the penalty and then well, it's come back. Howard's got a fingertip to it onto the post. If only it would have caught in his beard and nestled <laughs> yeah. in there. If he hadn't have had the back of his head in the way and it had just gone straight into his beard, it would have still been 2-1. Yeah. So. Uh, but that sort of summed up the Blues day, really. Um, you know, the easiest excuse in the whole of football is to blame the referee on for the defeat, isn't it? I mean, you know, I'm not an advocate of it. I don't like it, but it is, you know clear for any neutral or any Evertonian to see and probably any Man City fan to see that the referee did have a very one-sided game. Yes, he did. And while we can't blame him for our performance, which was very disappointing, uh, you know, you, you go to these places and you could, you could do without it, couldn't you? <laughs> You're already up against the odds. So, Well, it's, I mean, it, it's... Man City shouldn't need a referee to help them win games at home, should they, at the end of the day? So, you know, if I was a Man City fan, I'd probably feel a little bit embarrassed. But um, but there you go. Uh, and we got beat, unfortunately. Um, so the game finished 3-1. I mean, during the game, we saw a little couple of substitutions for the Blues. Um, Delafayu and Kone both came on. On Gibson. Oh, I mean, Gibson there's well. no wonder you forgot him, because yeah. he didn't get a kick in 45 minutes or whatever it was, half an hour. I mean, just I, I didn't think any of the substitutions made any difference really to the performance. Um, Delafeu, again, we may have a di- little difference of opinion on this because I seem to be clashing with a, flu- a few blues at the moment. Um, I, I really, I, I know he's only being a bit of a bit part player at the moment, but I just don't see what the kid brings for us. I've not seen anything that's impressed me so far by him, um, and. I just don't. He just doesn't seem to put any effort in when he comes on. If if that was me, and I was in his position, uh, obviously I'm a slightly better footballer than than Gerard Delafeu. Um, just never, just never been noticed. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Of course, yeah. Um, then the the one thing I'd do if when I got my chance to come on would be to you know try and get involved in the game and to show a bit of effort and and to to at least run about. And he just doesn't seem to be very I think, interested. Yeah, I think that the point you made there is a good point about. Uh, I think he's trying to do it, make his impact in a different way. He's, so he's not running around like a James Vaughan-style player. He's trying to uh, make that killer ball, but like the fancy killer ball, if you get me. Like He's not playing an easy ball. I mean, there was there was one, one point in particular which is really, really frustrating because it's right in front of us. And he's got the ball, and he tries to make a killer pass to Barkley, I think it is, on the, on the edge of the box. And there's like three or four players around him. Uh, and Baines is absolutely screaming for it, and we all know how productive Baines is, you know, with assists, and he's screaming for it, um, and he's in space, you know, and, and you know that 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 really really frustrated a lot of Blues, um, but I mean I I don't think I I think he's I think he's got the little bit of effort, and I think that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to do a little bit what Barkley was trying to do as well, which is win the game on his own or, you know, try and get it back on level terms on his own. Um, yeah, I which mean... You, which you don't need, you know, you, you've got you've got a... Ross didn't have the best of games, did he? Yeah, I mean, Ross as well. Going back to Delafeu, you know, Morales got taken off because he had a particular poor game and, and Delafeu came on for him and you couldn't tell the difference between the two of them, to be quite fair, because they were both poor. Um, on a positive note, I thought, I thought McCarthy played well. 
Your best game so far for yeah, us? Yeah, I thought he was probably Everton's man of the match over over the 90 minutes. Um, other than that, Lukaku, good first half. Um, but do you know what? At the moment, when I'm noticing with Lukaku, around about the 70-minute mark, he seems to completely fade. And he seems to just drop out of games. Now, whether that's a, a fitness problem, uh, I'm not too sure. But um, do you think this is possibly why you know Chelsea and Mourinho aren't too sure about him at the minute? And well, also West Brom used him mostly as a sub last year. His stamina um, doesn't seem the best. And you look at it, um, you know, players with a big frame like that, you know, like a lot of muscle, and it, it's it's hard to get the blood flowing, and you know, it, it, they do tire out, and you, you see it with a lot of a lot of athletes. They can go in like bursts, but then. Tired out, you know. Especially, you see it particularly with like boxers and stuff. You know, they got all that muscle, and it's 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 hard for them to just keep keep going, especially for ninety minutes. So, um, I think it's something we might have to address, and you know, we, we try and get the impact out of him for that first half, which we did. Well, like you said, I think he, he had a decent enough first half, and he was running the channels and stuff. Second half, I don't think he had a, he had a sniff. I don't think, he, and I don't think he, you know, whereas before. He was finding himself the ball and he was uh, holding it up well. Uh, second half, I, I, I don't think he was. I think his touch was more like uh, Gelovich. So, you know. so, obviously, with Lukaku fading, uh, the change was made and Kone came on for him. And again, Kone was given a chance maybe to change a few Evertonians' perceptions of him, put himself about a bit, maybe you know try and snatch a goal back. Um, and he did none of the above. No, and you know we don't want to criticise players, and you know people people's defence of like Kone and Delafeu is uh, they need more of a chance. But from the evidence that I've seen so far, you give them more of a chance, and you're losing more of the game at the moment. So it's a very very I, risky. I, I want nothing more than to sit here on the podcast every week and and talk about how brilliant Kone is and how brilliant of course, Delafeu yeah, yeah, is. Yeah. Of course, I do. But you know. We we we've got to call it as we see it, basically, and and you know, I mean, Kone came on, and I think it's the first little instance he was involved in was a sort of a ball got played up up to him, and I can't remember who it was. It was it Lescott possibly? Yeah, he was sort of like challenging for the ball with Lescott, and an aerial ball, an aerial ball, and instead of trying to win the header, he just tried to do a little bit of a snidey kick on Lescott's ankles. Now, okay, I know a lot of us. A lot of Evertonians would like to give Lescott a kick. But when you're a professional and you're in a game you're trying to win, little petulant acts like that don't help. They don't help the team. You, you should, he should be putting his all into winning the ball and trying to get a shot off on goal. Yeah, it's, it's, it was, right again, right down our end. So it's just right in front of us. Um, and it wasn't his uh, last act, which, uh, which frustrated a lot of Blues. Um, and like he went off the pitch with um, this is after the full time whistle full time whistle yeah he didn't just walk off the pitch randomly <laughs> he uh, at the full time whistle goes off the pitch arm in arm with uh, Yaya Torre smiling his head off and it's all over the big screen and as Blues who've gone down there and Blues watching on telly and you know after a disappointing performance from the whole team really uh, and we've kind of you know surrendered our unbeaten start basically surrendered you know, I, I like I like that word because we did on in that game, um, and it's it's not what you want to see, is it? Save it for you know closed doors. I mean, if I just got me had my ass handed to me in a game, 
you know, even on five or side or whatever. Well, well, we were both there. We, you know, we can vouch for the fact that none of the fans were walking out of the Etihad laughing and joking. So no. uh, why should one of the players, you know, who were paid a good wage to, you know, to fight for the club and, and to do the best and to give their all for the club, why should they be walking off laughing and joking? And there may be p- people listening here thinking, oh, you know, this is petty, this is negative. You're just looking at a way of pulling Kone down because it's fashionable or whatever. But to me, it's not. The least he can do is, you know, is to be upset when we lose. That's what he should have. That, that's having, the, you know, the soul of the club inside you. And, you know, I know it's another little thing, but Aruna Kone is wearing the Everton number nine shirt. Now, I can guarantee you, I bet you there wasn't ever a time when Everton got beat 3 1, when the likes of Graham Sharp or Duncan Ferguson or Bob Latchford or Dixie Dean walked off laughing their head off and finding the whole situation funny. Yeah, I mean, stuff like that, he's made himself an easy target for stuff like that. And, you know, as you said before, we'd love to be saying, oh, he, he, he played great, he gave us all. He gave us all in those 20 minutes or whatever that he got. Um, but, you know, there's real signs there where he can come good for us. That's what we want to be talking about. Um, and, you know, we want to be saying, you know, Lukaku, could, he could partner Lukaku up front. You know, he showed signs there. But why is it when players come on and make an impact in 10, 15 minutes? Uh, oh, yeah, oh, that was great. But when they get 10 and 15 minutes to make an impact and they don't, they say they need more time. Uh, I don't... I don't know. It's like Lukaku got got a half against uh, West Ham, and, and he's he's only twenty. Um, and people say about his age, and people say about Dalafeu. Oh, he's only young. Give him a chance. Why? It's it's just um, I don't know. It's double standards on a lot of things, isn't it? If you're good enough, you're old enough. At the end of the day, yeah. And isn't if it? you're good enough to make an impact, twenty minutes. It's not like the Moyes, you know, the Moyes substitution where you get like thirty seconds at the end of the game to rescue a point. It's you know it's still a little bit of time, so I don't know. I mean, I, I'd say I, I hope he comes. I hope he comes good um, for his sake and for our sake. Uh, so that was that for City, really. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's not the end of the world. I don't think any of us realistically, realistically even uh, expected to go to the Etihad and, and to to win easily. Um, so, and if you'd looked at it before the start of the season or before the start of our recent run of form. Um, you know, we none of us probably would have expected to get even a point. So um, we've got beat, um, and, and we move on and upwards from here. Really, I'm Kevin Cheedy, and you're listening to the Not Bitter Just Better podcast. News. Okay, it's time for our news section, as you might have guessed. Uh, First up, we want to talk about uh, international stuff, really. I suppose that's the main news this week, isn't it? Yeah, it's another international break, obviously, so no game this weekend. Um, these international breaks seem to come around every uh, every other week at the minute, don't they? Yeah, it's a pain in the ass, isn't it? Ah, terrible. Um, yeah, so um, pretty much as standard recently uh, into the England squad goes uh, Bainty, Jack Yelke and Ross. Yeah, 17 players overall. Is that right? Uh, not in the England squad. I mean, it, <laughs> you're going to name them all for us now, Johnny. No, I don't think you would. Um, so, and I think probably the, the the big news as far as you know, Blues playing for the international teams is that um, it looks like 
Ashley Cole's going to miss the two England qualifiers uh, with a, a hip injury, I believe it is. So it looks like uh, Bainsey's probably guaranteed starter for the two games. Which he should be anyway. Yeah, I mean, it, it made me laugh the other day because it, I know it said in the media and all over Sky News, it, it said that England have been dealt a massive blow with the, uh, the, the, the injury to Ashley Cole. Uh, to me, it's a boost. Because you, you're actually, you know, you get rid of Cole, who sort of is a bit of a stalwart, uh, and you, you, you're allowed to play your, uh, your best left-back. Yeah. Um, I just want to mention a little bit, Roy Hodgson uh, was at the um, the City and Everton game at the weekend and watched casting his eye over five players who were uh, performing on the day. So obviously City players, Hart and Milner. Was he uh, watching Wasp Barkley? He was watching Wasp, yeah. Um, and the, three, the Everton trio of Baines, Jagielka and uh, obviously Barkley. And when asked on Match of the Day uh, what he thought of the overall performance, he said that all five players were great on the day. Well, that's why he's such a good manager with a <laughs> footballer in sight like that, isn't he? But, you know, what I can say is uh, he's, if he thinks Ross was great against City, when he sees him in training, he's going to think he was out of this world, isn't he? So uh, I think he, he might might be pushing for the start there. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, he, you know, even like to James Milner, I didn't particularly think he had a great game. Um, you know, no. Joe, Joe Hart, again, didn't look... Super yeah, composed, like did he didn't look anywhere near a world class keeper, um, and then even you know Baines, he didn't have a particularly good day, did he? So um, yeah, they think uh, Jags was one of our better players, so fair enough on that one. Um, but I suppose he's the international boss; he knows better than us, maybe. Well, there you go. I mean, do you think it's a bit weird for me to part of me hopes we don't qualify? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, oh, I'm not going to put that out there. I don't know. It's just, but you know, I'm just looking at the the, the squad and, and you know, the players like Sturridge and Welbeck, and, they just don't do it for me. To be fair, no, they're not. They're not class. We said a few weeks ago, we, our golden generation is gone. You know, I mean, we're still, we're still, Rooney's still in there, um, but how many other world class players on top of the game can you can you say are in that squad? No, none, no. Um, Anyway, yeah, so international break means we haven't got that much uh, blue content in the news. Uh, so there's, there's a little bit of rumour and um, just uh, the main thing this week is, uh, I suppose, is Lukaku. Uh, he, he is aiming to fire Everton above Chelsea this season. Yeah, it's a bit... <laughs> it, made me, it made me laugh this. Laugh in a good way, obviously, but, um, you know, 999 percent of players when asked a question like he was asked which was you know who do you want to you know do you want Everton to finish higher than Chelsea this season this the stock answer would be I want both clubs to do well yeah. that's what you and would then, expect and then, then, to be the answer then run <laughs> yeah and then, and then leave it at that really a bit of a right smile as in to say do you really expect me to answer that question um, instead Lukaku said I'm an Everton player this season. I, of course, I want us to finish higher than Chelsea. Uh, good on him, right? But yeah. he's saying I, all know. the right things, isn't he? And he's, he's saying all the right things him. as far as Everton supporters are concerned. But if you're a Chelsea fan, I, I don't think that'd best please you. And you know, I don't know whether he's just had enough of Chelsea. And, and well, that's I what I was just going to ask. Do you think? With all this, um, all this like weird, all these words in the press and stuff, do you think it's sowing the seeds 
and you know if you know there is an option uh, there is you know hope for us at the end of the season obviously we need a big fee uh, and Juventus are being linked but you know hope when there was none I think we're trying to be overly optimistic here, aren't we? And we're trying to convince ourselves that we might be able to get him next season. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, unless unless he's a bit daft, I don't really understand why he would come out and say something like that when he really doesn't have to, unless he is trying to sort of possibly angle to a move or maybe he doesn't see his long-term future with Chelsea. Um, the way he's playing for us at the minute, his long-term future is probably going to be more like a Barcelona or a Real Madrid. <laughs> yeah, Juventus being linked. Well, um, so he's got five goals this season. That's five goals more than the whole of the Chelsea forward line. Uh, is that is that right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I should have known that because I have had Etu in my fantasy football team for the last few weeks. So he's got Etu, Torres and Barr and none of them have netted yet. Um, do you know when you make a decision and you think you begin dead clever and you think no one else will do that and, you know... you he'll come good for me and then three or four weeks later you think why did I do that that was stupid that that was me picking it yeah as you plummet down the table yeah like a lead balloon I'm dropping faster than the length of Tim Howard's beard at the moment <laughs> um, there's a theme running through this we should have called this episode the, the Tim Howard beard episode yeah another See, it is a slow week when you mention and stuff like this. <laughs> yeah, when, when the best bit of news you can think of is Tim Howard's beard. Um, and uh, the under-21 game, which... Is that what the reserves are called these days? Yeah, we don't have reserves anymore. We have under-21s, however, over-21 players can play for them. Yeah, is it, how, many play, how many of them? I think it's, it's a three or four. So Tony Hibbert's in the under-21 team at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> and he appeared against Blackburn. Um, I don't think he'll score for them either. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, I wonder if he gets a penalty when he takes it. <laughs> uh, well, the the, uh, the club are offering a free entry for youngsters. Uh, when uh, there's, there's a number of games that have got to take place at Goodison, uh, even though the reserves home. Purple Witness, don't you? Uh, is it? Is that Adelaide Stadium? Hague Avenue, Adelaide. I can't remember. Oh. Um, but anyway, yeah, a few games got to take place to go to some one, which is next week, and they're offering free entry for youngsters to go to try and get younger blues on board and get them a little bit of a taste of the atmosphere, which is a nice touch. Yeah, it's a good good idea. Good to uh, open the doors uh, for free, um, and it should, I suppose, it should be a fairly decent game. I mean, it, you look at players who'll probably play forever, and I don't know if Delafeu will appear in that. But uh, I, I wouldn't have thought. I, I think Stones Stones probably will. Um, I mean, there's a chance to see a couple of the youngsters. I mean, in the olden days, I used to go to a lot of the reserve matches and um, you'd see a mix of young players and experienced players who were making their way back from injury. And it yeah, was like, but obviously with it being a bit limited to the overage players, I mean, I don't know whether it'll be the likes of sort of maybe Kone might have a game or Yellow to keep the fitness up. Um, you know, maybe Oviedo, somebody like that. But then when you, you think about the Man United, they should have like a pretty decent side notes as well, you would have thought. So... Uh, it should be a decent little game, that. Huh? I might go along, I think. Yeah, could be worth a visit. Um, I think that pretty much wraps up our news for this that week. That can't be the only news we've got. Well, I mean, there's a little bit... I mean, one, one thing we want, wanted to mention was the sad passing of uh, Mick Buckley at the age of 59. which is Yeah, uh, so yeah uh, you know, good saving to the club. Uh, he passed away this week, uh, and it's something we never like doing, is sort of, you know, talking about... Ex-players passing away, uh, 
So yeah, uh, somebody uh, had a really nice thing to say uh, as one as one blue passes on, another one's born into the world, and that's that's a, that's a really nice uh, take on it, isn't it? It's a good but, way to look at it. Yeah, uh, I thought it with his family and friends. Uh, uh, so Mick Buckley, uh, rest in peace. This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, not bitter, just better. Or you can find us on Twitter at just better EFC. With it being international weekend, news being a bit little bit on the low side, uh, thought it'd be a good opportunity to have a little talk about our progress so far. Seven games in, three wins, three draws, one defeat. Yeah, I mean, if you'd have asked me, you know... Looking at the fixtures at the start of the game, I think I'd have probably... Yeah, I think we're doing a little, a little bit better than I, I would have thought we'd be doing at this point. Um, where are we? Are seventh in the table at the moment? Uh, yeah, we are at the minute, yeah. Which? kind of? So there's a top six, which you want to talk about, don't you? Yeah, there's a lot of talk been in the media uh, the, the last week or so, and I've got to admit, it, funnily enough, you know me, uh, I get easily annoyed, and this is greatly annoying me. All of a sudden, the, the the top four that we've heard talked about for years has now become a top six. I wonder why. Well, I wonder why as well. Now, let's have a look. The, the top six consists of, you know, the, the standard top four that we had for the last few years, which is Man City, Man United, Chelsea, Arsenal. Right. Over the last couple of years, on the fringes of that, you've always had Tottenham and Everton. But Tottenham... Is a, is a good one. They haven't quite broken into the top four, so they couldn't be mentioned in there at all, no, could they? but it's, it's been... The last couple of seasons, it's been Tottenham and Everton knocking on the door of the so-called top four. Yeah. So, obviously, a top six has been set up now. So, the top six now is clearly Man United, Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, and... Uh, no, it's not Everton, is it? No. no it's, it's Liverpool, apparently. And... Uh, Everton aren't being mentioned in, in, in any way in, in these talks of a six-way fight for the league title. Now, again, we've said this in past podcasts. I'm not saying that I believe Everton will win the league because I don't think we'll win the league. However, if you're talking about six teams, you know, battling up at the top of the league, taking points off each other, uh, having a say in the title race, you know, being there or thereabouts, being in with a shout, then... I don't see why Liverpool are ahead of us at the moment. I mean, they're ahead of us in the league, but, you know, we're seven games in. Yeah, it's seven games in. You know, you can't really... You don't really start looking at the league till Christmas time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, something... Do you know the thing that topped it off for me this week was watching Sky Sports News, as you do, and the odds for the league title came up on the screen. And, you know, it was all your standard ones, you know, Man City, Chelsea with the favourites, etc. Uh, and then Liverpool, 10-1. to 1, Which yeah. I think is re- re- is ridiculously too low odds for Liverpool. We, this joke was always out there. But if you put £10 on Liverpool at 10-1, to 1, you will lose £10. <laughs> you will lose £10, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Liverpool, 10-1. to 1. Everton, the next shout, 100-1. to 1. Yeah, it's it's. I would say that both Evan and Liverpool's odds of winning a title are round at about probably you know fifty, sixty to one. 
Yeah, so some kind of middle ground and us on a par. But that's insulting to Everton to, to say that we are ten times worse than Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah, hundred to one. I mean, I think that's a, that's a fair odd for Everton. I don't think we. I don't think. I think that's about the chance we've got of actually winning the league. It is. Um, but that's the chance Liverpool have got as well, and this is what's annoying me. Just because and to- even Tottenham, you'd say Tottenham are around the same. I think. Well, I think at the minute Tottenham, you know, they bought in a lot of players over the summer, and I think they bought exceptionally well. At the minute, I don't think it's completely gelling, but I think at some point Tottenham will click, and I think Tottenham will be a good side. I think they'll be a good side, and I think they enough th- to push the top four, but not win the league. I still think Tottenham will finish in the top four. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, but yeah, so I mean, it, it, it's just the fact that you know it's this old thing about Liverpool being media darlings, isn't it? For whatever reason, and it, it, you know you, they're just getting boosted back up and given credit that at the moment I don't think they deserve. Same old story, but you know, in in the fact that they, they got this top six of like the media darling teams, once again Everton are being overlooked, which is fine by us. Well, it is, and I think there's quite a few reasons why. Um, you know these so-called top six teams, and why the media will be fools to underestimate Evan, and may just end up with a lot of egg on the face come the end of the season. Yeah, should we just talk about those few reasons? What we think? Yeah, I mean, you know, looking back over the first seven games as we've suggested. Um, I mean, where do you want to start, Johnny? What do you want to bring up first? I think uh, the first one's pretty obvious, isn't it? I and mean, it's someone we've mentioned already today. Well, I, I think the, the first one. I think our, the, the first one is our is, is our strongest squad, and we can go into that individually as well. Our strongest squad in years, and there's only been a small uh, amount of changes, but I think um, with the emergence of younger players as well and the trust in the younger players, it just looks like a really, really strong squad on paper, and uh, which is like being emphasised by the fact if you look at our bench for most games, it's been a really strong bench. Um, yeah, I mean, over the last couple of seasons, there used to be certain positions, didn't you, where you thought, if we get injured or if certain players got injured, you'd be like, well, who's going to come in and replace them? You know, we, you always thought that a little bit at left-back, maybe, you know, or down the left-hand side in, in general, really. Um, and even sometimes when we were losing people in central midfield, we'd be looking at the likes of, say, Thomas Hittelsberger coming in, and, and you know, that never filled you with confidence, did it? So... But now, obviously, there's two or three players you can play in virtually every position. So uh, we are looking strong, even with injuries. It's amazing, isn't it? It is literally only a handful of changes. But as, as, I, as I said just before, the trust in Barkley. Barkley is a mainstay in that team now. He's no longer on the fringes, you know. So that, that frees another couple of good, strong squad players. Um, the, the likes of uh, Osman and um, Naismith, you know... Around around the first team, and they can be around the first team squad, uh, and they can come in and do a decent enough job. So so up until you know January at the very least, um, we've definitely got a bit of strength and depth there. So I mean that that's one reason why I don't think Everton should be underestimated. Yeah, particularly you know um, we've done a good job with a smaller squad. So why can't we do a better job with a stronger squad? So don't underestimate the, the, the squad this time round. Second, uh, go on. Well, obviously, the, the, I would say a big thing in our favour is the man who, who's assembled that squad. Bobby uh, Well, or took the majority of the squad over, but, but added and, and improved the squad, uh, and that's Roberto Martinez. Um, and 
I think we were all very worried at the beginning of his reign. Um, think wondering how the new tactics had, uh, would settle in. Uh, you know, would we be winning games? Would we be losing games every week? You know, but playing nice football. Uh, and so far, so good. Uh, and I think I, I, I'm trying. I'm racking my brains now, trying to think of anything he, he's done wrong since he took over. I, I can't really think of one. I mean, there was there was the blip of the uh, the Fulham game, wasn't there in the yeah, cup? Yeah, no, I'll have that. Yeah, but but you know, he 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 might argue that that wasn't necessarily a blip. You know, we, we, you know, we we just got caught out playing a weakened squad, or you know, we 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 still bossed the game and. Um, we did enough to have won it in the first half, and then you know it, it, it wasn't ne- necessarily tactically where he was wrong. It was just unfortunate on the night. Um, other than that, I mean, you know, you can ar- you can always argue player for player decisions, but at the end of the day, tactically, you know, I think he's got most of them right. You, you know, Morales was struggling at the weekend. Dalfeo comes in, you know, that's that's logically, um, you know, it's a logical logical decision. Um, Whereas Moyes might have might not have done that, and I mean, following on from 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 Martinez, I, I think you know a good point is the fact that you know there's no pressure on him. There's no expect. There's no real expectations from him. Even the Evertonians, I think we expected this to be a bit of a, a season of transition, uh, and so far, touch woods, not wanting to jinx anything, it's probably slightly exceeded our expectations in the in the, the style that we're playing. Uh, and also the results we've had so far. So, I mean, I, I, I haven't seen the, the the table at the moment of the you know the the odds on manager seconds, but I'm sure Martinez in the Premier League is probably right near the back. Um, so he's got no real pressure on him. Uh, whereas I think for all the, the big clubs, I mean, you look at the pressure Moyes is under already. Uh, Wenger's was under pressure at the start of the season, but obviously he's had a few good results and he's come out of that. The, the media already talked about Mourinho not being the same as he was. Um, you know, Brendan Rodgers, you know what they, what that shower of shite are like for turning the back. You only have to look on their hero, Kenny Daglis, to see how quickly they can turn on people that they're supporting. So, uh, you know, I think that that's a, that's a big advantage that, that we've got, that we are flying under the radar at the minute with, with no pressure, as you say. Yeah, you talk about, yeah, you talk about Roberto being under no pressure, the club. Overall, in general, I think you kind of alluding to that as well. Um, we're always overlooked, uh, and it's it's you know a, a lot of big teams do get caught out because the overlookers. Uh, Man United have done a few times, and I know Ferguson had this relationship with Moyes, and you know they, they res- maybe respected us too much. Um, but then, so then they kind of write off games against us and play weakened sides. But I think t- teams might still do that because we're not being mentioned, and. Um, I, I can't see I can't see it happening for long because they're going to get found out. You know, the City game aside, I think we're going to more often than not um, a, a real challenge to the top six. Yeah, I mean, there's been a big rebranding at the club off the pitch, but I think on the pitch, apart from obviously you know a slight change in the way we play, a bit more possession based. Um, I don't think there's really been any major rebranding. The team spirit still seems to be there. Desire still seems to be there. Uh, and obviously, you know, the support from, from the Goodison Faithful is still there as well. So, um, again, I think, I can't see why um, suddenly, if we, as the team who finished sixth last year, why we're suddenly now not being seen as a team who can finish sixth this year. 
just because uh, that's the way it is. It's, it's, it's just Liverpool go out spend what fifty million or whatever. They you know they're automatically going to win the league, aren't they? I mean, my my personal belief is last year, um, you know, I think if we'd have had a striker who was scoring goals regularly for us, i.e. Yelovich last year, we would have walked into that top four. There were so many games where we dropped points with draws, where we just needed someone who could just like get the odd scrappy goal or, or, or get us a goal up front. Um, then I think we would have been a shoe in for the top four last year. Um and this season, we've got that player. Yeah, so that is one one big reason why teams shouldn't underestimate us, and it's Lukaku. Yeah. And you know, he, he, he if we'd have had Lukaku in this form last year, we'd have we'd have finished in the top. You know, anywhere in the top four, really. Yeah. You know, he's got what well, he's got five goals, three games so far. Um. You know, even like half of that form. You know, Jelovic and Anachibi between them. What did, did they get? Thirteen goals between them last season. I think so. Something like that. Um, you know, he's nearly halfway there already. Um, you know, in three games. So, uh, I, I, I don't think many teams are going to come and uh, underestimate Lukaku, but they might underestimate us, and Lukaku might make them pay for it. So. Obviously, Blues, who were listening to this, you, you've got to keep this a secret because we don't want people getting onto this. But uh, from what we've just talked about there, I think I've changed your mind. I think we are going to win the league. <laughs> I still don't. I think no, that, I, don't really. I, I still think. Uh, I think our odds have come down from 100 to 1 to 80 to 1. I'll be happy as long as they keep underestimating us and we're still there or thereabouts. That season where we finished fourth. You know, nobody expected us to hang on to it. It was always it was always a flash in the pan. Every season we're a flash in the pan, and you think we're going to drop down a table. And every season we, uh, you know, nearly every season we stick around that top six and we make a real fight of it. And you know, it's only until the last couple of weeks where we've kind of, you know, just just missed out. Um, and I think this season um, we're going to be the same. We're just going to keep pushing on, keep pushing on, and uh, hopefully we we can end up in Europe this year. And I still honestly believe that we'll finish higher than Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Whoa, there's a bit of hesitation. No, there, I, I think I think uh, they've managed to spawn the way through a little bit so far, and um, you know they're going to have a bad patch. And you know, I think we we haven't really had bad patches. We've had like patches patches where we've had a few draws rather than winning, but we don't really get beat two or three games in a row, do we? Yeah. Uh, and just on a completely unrelated note uh, to, to Everton, uh, as we were just talking there about there being no pressure on on Martinez and, and the you know in the sack race, for instance, uh, Sky Sports News is on in the room and now, and they're just talking about uh, Malky Mackay down at Cardiff being he's now favourite to get the sack, which is outrageous, isn't it? Yeah, I saw a little bit before on this. It, it's not necessarily due to his performance. It's that having a complete restaffing. It's like, which is a bit. It's strange at a football club. You can, you know, if you know, if, it, if it's somewhere like Marks and Sparks or somewhere like that, you know, bring a whole team of staff in, um, then you, you wouldn't really give it a second thought. But for a football club, your manager is your manager, isn't it? So shouldn't he be bringing his staff in? It just, but it's, somebody at the top of the club is just uh, obviously wants some kind of uh, maybe something a little bit more continental, a little bit more flashy. Uh, Malky Mackay. I think they're daft if they get rid of Mackay. I really do. Uh, but yeah, so 
Uh, that's yeah. it. We really don't underestimate the Blues. Yes, yeah. Premier League teams look out or don't and get punished for it. Exactly, things are looking pretty rosy um, from where we sit in the Gladys Street at the moment. Um, See, it's not all doom and gloom. We're not all negative. We've got beat. We're moving on, and we feel better. We feel better about uh, about the Blues already. Yeah, we did get a telling off on our Facebook page after the Man City game to say that we were a little bit too negative, as I was hearing my my view on Delafeu. Um, but at the end of the day, that's what podcasts and Facebook pages and the, and the likes are about. Um, you know, we've held our hands up a number of times. We're not experts, but we do have our opinions on on the Blues and and, and on our players, and and we'll always be honest, and and that's what we're doing. We're putting our opinions out there. If you disagree. You know where we are to come and argue with us and even get on the podcast. Yeah, we we put ourselves we put ourselves out there on, on you know on a public forum, so to speak. So you can disagree with us. You know we're we're just made, making our feelings heard. And every week we invite you to have your points heard as well. You can email us at notbitterjustbetteroutlook.com. You can e- email us voice clips, which will include your thoughts. Um, yeah. So uh, and just on that note, um, you know we we put a number of events on here we, that, that we attend at and, and obviously that we can do bits for the podcast on um, and we've got a, a cracking night lined up tomorrow night uh, well I have because <laughs> otherwise can't make it due to work commitments yeah. can you John but um, we're going to be at Inchy Racecourse tomorrow um, along with since1878.co.uk uh, for one of their big annual legends dinners uh, and the lineup for this dinner is unbelievable really it, it's, six, it's based uh, on uh, Everton's successes in the 1960s um, and obviously that we've got Everton legends from the 1960s including Howard Kendall Joe Royal uh, Alan Whittle Derek Temple um, and also there's going to be quite a lot of talk there about you know the likes of Blues that aren't with us anymore from that area you know Alan Ball LeBone uh, Westy um, and giving a special insight into these uh, ex-blues is going to be none other than World Cup winners Gordon Banks uh, and Nobby Styles, uh, and I'm sure they'll be telling a few tales about winning the World Cup with England as well, uh, just in time for an international Yeah, just week. absolute legends in football, not just obviously in Everton's history, um, but in football history, world football. I mean, Gordon Banks is probably one of the best of all time. Of course, uh, and then along with that, for, for some of the more recent... Uh, Evertonians uh, a few of the more recent players uh, TC, Tony Cotty Sky Sports Pundit and uh, ex-Everton striker is going to be in the house um, Graeme Stewart's going to be there uh, and also the one I'm looking forward to uh, Lee Carsley yeah so he's a very recent blue and you know a famous scorer of a, of a derby winner which I'm sure he'll uh, have some stories to tell about. And, I'm uh, sure that little story might take the roof off the place as well. Yeah, general, I mean, he was unsung hero in his, in his time with the Blues, and, uh, you know, cracking fella, and, and uh, you know, I'm gutted that I'm going to be missing it, but a lot of you won't. <laughs> so, tickets are still available for this event, so uh, the, it's Thursday today, and the podcast is going to go up today, so anyone who's listening today or, or tomorrow... Uh, if you fancy coming along to Wintry tomorrow, it's a it's a seven o'clock start, half seven start. Um, just give us a just let us know on the on the Facebook page, and um, you know tickets for this event have sold are virtually sold out now, um, and a lot of the tickets have been going. You know, there's been various tickets and options uh, anywhere from seventy five pounds, but obviously listeners to our podcast. 
uh, can get tickets from £20 for tomorrow, which is an absolute steal, £20 to meet all these uh, all these footballing legends. So uh, just give us a shout if anyone's interested to come along tomorrow and you can see myself uh, and we can uh, we can talk about Johnny and talk, take the piss out of him a little bit while he's not there behind his back. Um, it should be a good night. Yeah, talking about all those legends has got me in the mood for something. It must be that time again. The time for the Not Bitter, Just Better Hall of Fame. You're getting better at these links, son. I am Ian Snowden, and you're listening to the Not Bitter, Just Better podcast. As I mentioned just before that little break, time again for the Not Bitter, Just Better Hall of Fame. And for this one, we've got not another forward, not another defender, because you know, we've, we've got some decent uh, decent players already lined up there. We've got a midfielder again. We have, yeah. And as you go through you know, some of Everton's great midfielders in, in the past, uh, this probably isn't one of the names that immediately jumps to mind to go into the Hall of Fame. Um, and their day will come. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're not doing this in any order, are we? We're just doing it in the order of people we think deserve to, to, to mention on, on the podcast and, and a, a little bit of a celebration of the careers. Um, this is a player who played for us through one of our most successful... Well, it was our most successful like, period. Like Andy Gray from last week. Just like Andy Gray. Um, but it's probably one of the unsung heroes, really, in that team. Um, and this week, we're putting in... Mr. Paul Bracewell. Paul Bracewell in Paul the North Better Just Better Hall of Fame. I like it. Full name, Paul Bracewell. Yeah. Nice and simple. That's what Paul Bracewell was all about to me. You didn't get any messing about with Paul Bracewell. None of this. What was that? What was the Andy Gray's middle game last week? I forgot. Or Fontescue, wasn't it? <laughs> Something like that. Fortescue. Fortescue, that was it, that yeah. Was it, yeah. There's no Fortescues when Paul Bracewell's involved. It's just Paul, alright? I like it. Sound. Okay. Uh, Paul Bracewell was born the 19th of July, 1962, which currently makes him, Johnny? 51. 51. We just read that. Or did you I, think, that I, think my, I think my maths could sort that out already. A, a bit of mental dexterity going on. Born in Heswell in England, which is on a riddle, and is very nice and posh. Yeah, we didn't know that, did we? No, I, I don't know why, but I thought he was from the North East originally, but I was wrong. Yeah. Um Started his youth career in 1978, the year I was born, so just to show my age, uh, with Stoke City. Uh, made his professional debut with Stoke City um, and made 129 appearances for Stoke, scoring five goals before moving to Sunderland in 1983. Uh, once at Sunderland, again he played a season at Sunderland, scoring 38, uh, making 38 appearances and scoring four goals. Before his football career really started, let's face it. 1984. 1984. Uh, Bracewell gets the call from uh, Howard Kendall. Uh, and when you get that call, uh, there's only going to be one answer, really. Uh, decided to sign for the Blues. 
Uh, he signed for the Blues um, for a fee of... How much do you think, Johnny? Oh, I'm going to take a guess here. 425,000. Where are you reading this? <laughs> you are reading this from somewhere, aren't you? <laughs> Normally I don't let Johnny see the information before I am, but he's, he's getting too many right today. <laughs> yeah, he signed for 425,000 uh, from... Bargain. From Sunderland. Um, and, again, he, he pretty much fitted straight in with, you know, the best Everton side that, that's ever lived. He slotted in midfield with Peter Reid, uh, Trevor Stephen... Kevin Cheedy, you nearly forgot Kevin Cheedy. How, how could I forget Kevin Cheedy? Um, and the rest, as they say, is history. He went on to win, uh, obviously, the you know, a number of trophies over the next com- the coming seasons uh, with that successful Everton side, including the Cup Winners' Cup. Yeah, I just saw them. 95 appearances over five years. That says it all for Bracewell, I think. Just you know, the fact that injury really, really... Uh, you know, cut short his Everton career. I'm glad you touched on that because that's what we were going to move on. I think that's why maybe Bracewell is not talked about in this, you know, in the same sort of high esteem and high regard as some of the other players, such as you know, like the likes of Sheedy and the likes of Peter Reid, is because his career at Everton, you know, the five years he was there were, were blighted so so much by injury. Yeah. So he left in '89. I'm just I can just see on here as well and. Went back to Sunderland, and it looks like he didn't miss a game in three years. Yeah, well, that, that was the thing. I mean, you know, I think he just was very unlucky at his time at Goodison. Um, you know, at the time when he played for Everton, he, he, he pushed his way into the England team uh, and got a place in, in Bobby Robson's 86 World Cup squad. Um, but then he broke his leg and ended up missing out on that, on that World Cup. So, yeah. you know, that, that's the type of luck he was having while he was at Everton. Uh, and you, I remember the, you know, Mexico '86. Well, it was a good, good performance by England there, one of our best in recent years. Uh, so he was very unfortunate to to, to miss out on that. Um, and then, as you say, he, he moved on from Everton after after '89 and, and ended up knocking around the North East for a while with two more spells at Sunderland. So he played for Sunderland three times in total, uh, and also had a period uh, at Newcastle as well. I think that was probably alongside Sheedy again, I think. Was that about the same time? About 92, 95, yeah. Could well be, yeah. Yeah, um, it, Just, at, just at, the, at the start of the Keegan era. Yeah. Uh, and then he, he moved on to Fulham uh, and finished his playing career uh, with Fulham in, in 99 before becoming manager of Fulham for a short period uh, for the year between 99 and 2000. Again, he's one of these ex-Evertonians who, who never really... You know, successfully transitioned into management. Uh, we've seen it with the likes of Kevin Ratcliffe, uh, and I suppose you could even say with Kevin Sheedy himself. He's had a little crack at management, but you know, his first go at it never really took off to any great extent. Um, and it, the same happened for Bracewell. Uh, he spent a season at Fulham before going on to Halifax for a short spell, also, um, but never really took off. And uh, I remember we went up to Newcastle a couple of seasons ago, didn't we, for, to watch Everton? Yeah, it was, I thought way. you were going to ask me about this. And uh, I'm not going to ask you too much because I don't think you've got uh, great memories of that trip. Cause, uh, I remember we uh, we went to the, the place that Bracewell runs, which is uh, a goals establishment, which is like a five-a-side you know, set of pitches. Yeah, that's his business he's got now. He basically runs like uh, you know football complexes with seven-a-side pitches, you know, five-a-side pitches, one of these Astro Tier 4G type setups. Yeah, so I remember getting to the hotel in Newcastle, 
We'd had a few pops on the way up. Well, you'd had a few pops. <laughs> yeah. I, I was I, sober. Yeah. Uh, this was in my drinking days. And then we'd had a few pops around the hotel. And then we'd had a few pops just before the game. So we all had a... F- <laughs> yeah, basically what had been set up as... Uh, it had been set up so we went to Newcastle, stayed in the hotel. Yeah, and then a dinner was set up uh, the night before the game uh, where Paul Bracewell was giving an after-dinner speech, basically. But before we got to the dinner part, uh, a football match had been arranged at, at his soccer school, basically. Uh, and I've got to say, it was the most shambolic game of football I've ever played in. There was, I think it turned out to be ten aside on a seven aside pitch, and I was the only sober player on the pitch. I thought it was, um, it was like that Oasis song, Round Our Way, 25 aside. <laughs> That's what it seemed like anyway, maybe I was seeing double, and I actually got tackled by uh, a fence at some point. <laughs> you did, one of the greatest comedy moments I've ever seen was, uh, was Johnny Seven uh, setting off on a... I run down the wing which oh. I, I normally I, I can do yeah I mean he's quite a little skillful player sometimes Johnny and uh, he, he managed to get tackled by a wall uh, and fall over in a heap on the floor so there you go but um, but obviously we got to meet Paul Bracewell that right, get him back onto the subject that's what I was going to say I remember a Paul Bracewell-esque shape <laughs> later on that evening I couldn't tell you I couldn't tell you what he said uh, I'm sure he was a nice fella and I had a long conversation with him <laughs> We can't remember anything of it. No, unfortunately not. Lovely man, great fella, uh, and you know he, he told some very interesting stories about his days with the Blues. So, uh, so there you go. I mean, you know, another one of the the team from the great from the eighties, the great eighties, uh, going into our Hall of Fame. I'm sure over you know however long it takes us to do this pop- podcast, we'll be doing it for possibly for years. But the whole eleven will be in there at some point. And uh, possibly even Alan Harper at some point as well. <laughs> Alan Harper's definitely going in. Yeah, Kev, uh, Super Kev Richardson as well. And you think of these players, you know, but, you know, Paul Bracewell, welcome addition, uh, and our midfield gets better. It does indeed. Um, so that's it for another week, really. In a week where we had nothing to talk about, we've managed to ramble on for, for well over an hour. Um, and... Again, we're probably going to be struggling a little bit next week because we won't have any games to talk yeah, about. We'll have a bit of an international recap, I think. This week, we are obviously have the, uh, the game against City to talk about. Next week, we'll have the whole game to look forward to. Which, we will. Which can't come round too quick, for my liking. And hopefully, we will also have quite a bit of footage from the Legends Night tomorrow. I'm planning on trying to steal a few words with a lot of the, the ex-Everton players who are in attendance. Uh, I'm basically giving a recap of the night on the podcast next week. Just with the older players, don't be holding an iPhone in the face because you might get a little bit scared. <laughs> yeah, there is that. Um, so hopefully, uh, next week's podcast should be hosted by myself and Lee Carsley and Johnny's got the sack. Yeah, hopefully Lee Carsley will be able to work his computer and uh, sort all the sounds out for it then. Um, yeah, so I'm, we're just going to leave it there. As always, I want to say, uh, you know, uh, say if you're listening on SoundCloud... Why not check us out on iTunes or Stitcher? Just search Not Bitter, Just Better. Thank everyone again for listening. All your feedback on the Facebook page and Twitter and everything. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, see you next week.